Happy Wednesday, everyone, and welcome back to Unbothered. Great show today. A lot to get into. I'm going to be talking about the MVP favorite so far. Who do I think deserves that prestigious award in the NFL? Then we're approaching the playoffs. To me, I think a lot of the teams that we see in the playoff picture right now are going to be in there. So I rank the most trustworthy playoff quarterbacks. Then the Suns get a new owner. I react to that, what this means from a Phoenix Suns. And then, shocking, Carlos Correa went to the New York Mets this morning. Thought he was a giant. What happened there? I break that down, what that means for my New York Mets. So let's get started. Let's get into it. But first, let's start with the Colts. The Colts decided that they are going to bench quarterback Matt Ryan and start Nick Foles against the Chargers on the Monday night game. That's what Jeff Saturday said. Nick Foles has not taken a regular season snap since the Colts signed him as a backup quarterback. They're not going to go with Ellinger. He was 0-2 with Frank Reich before Jeff Saturday got there. But I got to tell you this. I know this is in reaction to what happened this past Saturday when the Colts blew a 33-0 lead uh, against the Vikings and wound up losing, uh, losing that game. But that loss is not on Matt Ryan. To me, you can give Matt Ryan 0% of that loss. I don't think any of the blame falls on Matt Ryan. It's not like he was terrible. He threw 19 passes, 182 yards, and a touchdown. So are those numbers terrible? No, they're not. Uh, Is the quarterback rating of 31 impressive? No, but that was Kirk Cousins as well. So Matt Ryan was a bad. He only took three sacks. He didn't, you know, turn the football over. It also, you can't blame Matt Ryan, it's not like he was throwing uh, pick sixes and fumbling the football and throwing more interceptions. It wasn't like how he looked against the second half of the Cowboys where he fell apart. He was the reason why the Cowboys had that crazy 33 unanswered points in the fourth quarter. This was not the case for Matt Ryan on Saturday. This, to me, is not on him. They had a perfect game plan and execution for 30 minutes in the first half. And then they got too conservative to me. Jeff Saturday and the coaching staff, they deserve 50% of blame for what happened. Uh, They put their team in situations to win this football game in the first half. They deviated from that game plan in in the second half. Uh, The play calling was atrocious. The defense deserves another 50% of the blame for allowing big plays to happen where they looked so sharp in the first half and kind of the wheels fell off there and they forgot how to tackle. One of the most simplest things on defense is tackle. It's not getting after the quarterback. It's not interceptions. It's not pass breakups. The number one job a defense has to do is tackle. They couldn't even do that right. So, of course, you're going to lose. Of course, the game's going to be a disaster when they forget how to tackle. And when Jeff Saturday doesn't know how to coach. He just can't. This coaching staff in over their head. None of them deserve to be there. It's a shame, but that is what it is. 
Colts are a terrible team. They're terribly run. They have an owner in Jim Irsay who is a micromanager, too hands-on. And I don't think I know how anybody can thrive in that environment. I just don't. Uh, Peyton Manning was able to do it for a short time. Uh, Andrew Luck, that came spiraling down on him. And ever since Andrew Luck left, this organization has been terrible. They can't find a coach that can stick to long-term. They can't find a quarterback. Can't find anyone. This team is terrible. And the starting of Nick Foles is not some sort of an indictment on Matt Ryan. To me, it's an indictment on the coaching staff. It is the failure of the team and of the organization of the whole. Now, moving on to my MVP favorites. So after this weekend, Jalen Hurts was the MVP favorite, followed closely by Patrick Mahomes, and then it, you know tied for third was Josh Allen and Joe Burrow. Ever since news broke of Jalen Hurts' injury, somehow the odds have shifted to Patrick Holmes, Mahomes being the favorite to an MVP, Jalen Hurts being second, uh, along with Josh Allen and Joe Burrow. So how come the odds swung so far? Because it's not like Jalen Hurts has missed the game yet. It's not like he has not played that game. It's not like he's missed a game yet. Uh, To me, it's just insane that the odds have swung so much. Because to me, Jalen Hurts is the MVP going into this week. He has played absolutely sensational of football. He is the leader of this team. And he has pretty good numbers. He's thrown for over 3,000 yards. Uh, He's thrown 22 touchdowns to only five interceptions. A quarterback rating of 68 and a passer rating of 104. So he's played great. Uh, Mahomes' numbers have been a little better. Uh, He's thrown for 1,000 more passing yards. Uh, He's thrown, you know, 13 more touchdowns. Uh, QBR is number one in the league again, 79.8, passer rating 105, a completion percentage, they're about the same, but they throw the ball more. Patrick Mahomes has thrown 125 more attempts. He has completed uh, 100 more passes. So, of course, Patrick Mahomes is going to have 1,000 more yards when they throw the ball more, when they rely on him more. But the thing is, he's also thrown 11 interceptions. When you look at, you know, the top 10 in passing yards, 11's high. Uh, you know, Matt Ryan's throwing the most interceptions at 13. Davis Mills second at 12. And then at third, you have a list of guys. You have Kirk Cousins. Oh, you can expect him to do that. Derek Carr is 11. Dak Prescott, 11. But then you have two other MVP candidates, Mahomes and Allen, who have both thrown 11 interceptions. To me, it's key when you don't turn the ball over. Jalen Hurts does not turn the ball over like those other two MVP favorites do. Why else do I like Jalen Hurts? He's guided this team to a 13-1 and record. I'm sorry, but that means something. Uh, he is the quarterback. He is the orchestrator of the offense that we think has been on fire, has been great. And to me, there's another argument. 
that comes into consideration. If the Eagles win, uh, I said this yesterday on my podcast, if the Eagles win on Sunday, they beat the Cowboys, which I think will be very tough to go to Dallas without Jalen Hurts and win. But if they win the Eagles, then you make the case that Micah Parsons was right. Hey, there's a little system quarterback. They got a great system. Patrick Mahomes should be the MVP. But let's say Jalen Hurts doesn't play and the Eagles get blown out. Then what you say, it's like, oh, wow, this team is vastly different than uh, with Jalen Hurts than without him. So to me, that should affect the MVP case. Say, hey, we saw a game without Jalen Hurts against good competition because they played earlier in the year, and Jalen Hurts looked great against the Cowboys. Now that he doesn't play and the team looks terrible, it's like I can't punish him for not playing because it was an injury. And the team looks so bad without him that, hey, he is so valuable for this franchise, for this team, that how can you, uh, you know, knock him points for missing a game in which he's injured? And, you know, we'll see what happens in the other games. But I don't like how you punish people for getting injured. It's like when I look at the Heisman, you know, Hendon Hooker and Blake Corm. Hendon Hooker was the best quarterback all year until injury the second to last week. Same with Blake Corm. He was the best running back until the second to last week due to injury. And they still had tremendous numbers and yards. And you saw uh, the team without him, uh, Hendon Hooker, uh, after the injury in the second half gets flatlined. Blake Corm, the team couldn't run the ball without him against Illinois. So you saw the impact they had. But for some reason, people see games, they see injuries, and they punish great players. I don't think that's right. Uh, just don't. So to me, I have Jalen Hurts being the MVP favorite with the season ended right now. I think he should get it. We'll see what happens. But after that, number two, I do have Patrick Mahomes. I respect the hey. He's 11-3. and three, And he has, he's number one across all the categories, like I said. He's thrown the most touchdown passes. Uh, QBR is the highest. Passer rating, yards, high completion percentage. Again, the only knock on him is those interception numbers are high, just like the rest of them. But he's been great. He's been efficient. Patrick Mahomes has been sensational without Tyreek Hill. And I had Josh Allen at three because he's number five in passing yards. He's thrown a ton of touchdowns. He's thrown 30. QBR is also high above 70, which is you know, higher than a Herbert and even a Burrow, uh, Brady. All those guys are in the 50 range. But guess what? Allen, Tua, Jalen Hurts, Patrick Mahomes, those are 70 QBR type guys. So I got to tip my hat off to those guys. Uh, Burrow, his numbers have been good. Uh, but to me, just not as good as a Josh Allen. Uh, Patrick Mahomes, he's great for his team, he's great situationally, uh, but Josh Allen, he puts on the Superman cape, he hurdles over defenders, he is single-handedly getting two-point conversions and taking his team, and I think Joe Burrow is a phenomenal quarterback, but he's got tremendous talent, he's got Jamar Chase, T. Higgins, Tyler Boyd, uh, Jam- Patrick- Josh Allen doesn't have that, and Patrick Mahomes doesn't have that, but Joe Burrow does. Now, let's go into my trustworthy playoff quarterbacks. And now, 
I'm not ranking every quarterback here. I'm only ranking teams who will be in the playoff. I don't think Aaron Rodgers is going to be in here, so he's not on any list. And if he was, he'd be very low because he's shown over the past decade that he's not a trustworthy playoff quarterback. So it's just current playoff quarterbacks in the playoff situation who I think will get in there. So Trevor Lawrence, you know, can't grade him yet. Uh, And there's a couple guys you can't grade in terms of trustworthy. Can't trade Trevor Lawrence. He's not available. Brock Purdy, can't do that either. Daniel Jones, Tua, Justin Herbert. Those are guys I can't grade. They haven't had any playoff experience yet, so I can't grade them. Uh, So those were, you know, battle for 10 right there, but none of them are available. So I'm going to go with number nine. Number nine, who is the least trustworthy playoff quarterback out of current playoff teams? Kirk Cousins. I'm sorry, but Kirk Cousins is not a good quarterback. Is you know I call him play art con artist Kirk. Uh, and in the playoffs, he is not good. He has a one and three record in the playoffs. Two of those with Washington. Two of those with Minnesota. Uh, with Washington, it was wild card games. Uh, one of them against Seattle, 3 of 10, coming in for relief of RG3, did not look good. Uh, then, after that, a few years later, it was against the Packers. And, again, not great. Passer rating, 91. Uh, you know, I'm looking for like 100 passer rating here. Not good. Then, he had a good one. Great playoff game against the Saints in the Superdome. I will give him that great win there in the wild card, which no one expected because New Orleans was such a high seed. They win that one. And then after they beat New Orleans, they had to play the San Francisco 49ers, and he was terrible. Uh, San Francisco rolled all over this team. So Kirk Cousins, we don't think of him as a playoff guy, uh, you know, great primetime performer when all the lights are on him and you've got to, you know, subject yourself to Kirk Cousins, he's not good. And I'm sorry to say it, but he's not a good big-time performer, so I can't give him that. Who do I have at number eight? Well, number eight is a very similar quarterback to uh, Kirk Cousins. I believe in terms of not just playoff record, but style of play and being overrated. That's Dak Prescott. I think he is vastly overrated. I have him at eight. He's not good. And to me, his stats mirror uh, Kirk Cousins in the playoffs. Same exact record, one and three in the playoffs. His first playoff win was excellent. He started one and oh, it was a win. Uh, my bad. His first playoff game was great against the Cowboys, or my bad, Cowboys against the Packers. Aaron Rodgers was just better. They lose that game, but he was great. Then, a couple years later, he plays Seattle. He plays really good, but more of a game manager in that role. And uh, they win the game. Then, uh, after they win the wild card game, they play the Rams. 
in the divisional round, and he doesn't play good. Uh, 20 of 32, a completion percentage of 62, which isn't that good. Uh, they get bounced out by the Rams, who, of course, go on to the Super Bowl that year. And then the following, uh, and then last year, this past year, was against the Rams in the wild card game. And a lot of expectations on the Cowboys against the 49ers, and he was terrible. Passed a rating of 69, his lowest in a playoff game. A completion percentage of 53, 23 of 43 passing, interception, one touchdown. He was just awful in that game. So, no, I don't trust Dak Prescott at all in a playoff game. Who do I have at number seven? Jay, or Ryan Tannehill. Ryan Tannehill, minimal better playoff record. He is two and three. Uh, he started off his playoff career really good uh, in 2020, if you remember. The, they beat New England off Derrick Henry. So he only threw 15 passes that game. That was the Derrick Henry show. Then the next round, they play Baltimore Ravens. It's still the Derrick Henry show. He only has 14 passes attempted, one less than 15. He completes one less seven. So back-to-back, like 50% completion percentage. He does toss in two touchdowns on the play action. But we need him to do a bit more in the AFC Championship game. He can't do it. He loses to the Chiefs. And again, I'll credit the Chiefs because that was a great Chiefs team. Then the following year, they make the wild card. It's a big rematch with the Baltimore Ravens. And what does Ryan Tannehill do? Fizzles out, throws a touchdown, throws an interception. is not good at all. But then we look to this past year. They had the number one seed. Ryan Tannehill uh, plays Cincinnati in the divisional round, coming off the bye. Derrick Henry comes back. And Ryan Tannehill single-handedly costs them the game and throwing three interceptions, one to start the game, one to start the second half, and one that uh, sealed the game. So Ryan Tannehill started strong. But three straight playoff losses and looking terrible in those, Ryan Tannehill is not that guy. Then, number six, Jalen Hurts. Uh, Jalen Hurts is another one. Uh, only one playoff appearance last year. Uh, again, first time against the Bucks, and which the team wasn't great. They were thoroughly outmatched and... To me, I had really no hope uh, for uh, the Eagles last year. So this year, I think this is a different team. I really like this Eagles team. I think this is, a again, much better team. I think he will fare much better in the playoffs if he is healthy and gives them a shot. But this is another big year considering how much better this team is compared to last year. So I do expect him... To win a playoff game or two, if he doesn't, then he'll be dropping on the list. But so far, we are at four quarterbacks. Kirk Cousins, Ryan Tannehill, Jalen Hurts, Dak Prescott. They have not had a playoff winning record. Which brings me to five. Another quarterback like that. However, I do feel like he is more dangerous, more explosive, more of a threat. But he's still not great in the playoffs. Number five, Lamar Jackson. Considering we talk about Lamar Jackson as a MVP this great player who needs this $300 million contract. Well, when do you really make your money? Is it really in the regular season? 
or is it come playoff time when the moments are big? Well, what's Lamar Jackson done? He has won once in the playoffs in his career. He is one in four. One in four. The first game, first playoff game, was against the Los Angeles Chargers, and he had a completion percentage of 48%, below 50. That's, to me, below mediocre, because mediocre is just around 60%. If you complete less than that, that's just bad. And to me, I like a 65 to 70. Uh, so just completely awful. An interception did not look good against the Chargers. Then the next year, wins his MVP. Oh, this is such a dangerous team. He plays that Titans team I just mentioned. He threw the ball 59 times, only completed 31 passes for a percentage of 52. And he was really bad. I mean, my my bad. Uh, He threw for 365 yards, touchdown. But guess what? Two costly interceptions in the loss there that really helped uh, the Titans win that game. So he starts off 0-2. Now, the next year, he gets that revenge game against Tennessee. He wins. He doesn't play great, 179 yards, but his completion percentage is not a 50. It's a 70. I can live with that. That's good, even though he tossed an interception. Pass rating of 75. I'll stick with that. He did just enough to win. Then, after winning the wild card game, he had to play the Bills. And he did get knocked out early in that game. Uh, around halftime, I believe it was right after halftime, so in the third quarter, at that point, he had 162 yards, completion percentage of 58, and he'd thrown one interception. So every playoff game he's played in, he's thrown one or more interceptions. You can't have that. Can't win games like that. Lamar Jackson's not a quarterback. I trust him in playoffs, and I have him at number five. Can you believe that one? Well, who is number three or number four on the list? Well, that's one who actually has a 500 record. And that is Josh Allen. I got Josh Allen here at number three. He has a 3-3 three and three record in the playoffs so far. So, to me, that is respectable. That's decent. I will give him credit because he has balled out in the playoffs uh, the past couple of years. Started off, if you remember, the AFC wildcard game. In 2020 against Houston and Deshaun Watson, he was he was bad. He looked miserable, completion percentage of 50. He was just throwing up passes that had no business being thrown up in the air. Uh, I mean, you looked at that guy and you thought, really? This guy? Then the next year, guess what? Josh Allen and Stephon Diggs, he came into his life and has played a lot better. Uh, the wild card game? Against the Colts, looked good, had a great drive there at the end. Two touchdowns, 324 yards, completion percentage of 75, pass rating of 121. He was brilliant in that win. Then the next game against Baltimore, remember this was the game I just talked about, Lamar out with an injury. How will Josh Allen respond? Well, 206 yards, a touchdown, no interceptions. Great, 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 great. Then... AFC Championship game against the Chiefs. Great Chiefs team. Uh, wasn't his best performance. Threw an interception. Uh, two touchdowns, 287 yards. They got bounced out. So then we come to this past playoffs. If you all remember, two great games. One of the best two games I've ever seen in my whole life played back-to-back. Wild card game was against the New England Patriots. And he had 
four incompletions that game. He had a completion percentage of 84, was 21 of 25, 308 yards, uh, five touchdowns, and a, a almost perfect pass rating at 157.6. Josh Allen was simply brilliant. Then he followed up with, to me, a great another great performance. 73 completion percentage, 329 yards, four touchdowns, no interceptions, 136 pass rating, but if you remember, the defense and the 13 seconds could not stop him, but he was great. To me, Josh Allen can play in the playoffs. He has the 3-3 three and three record in the playoffs in most six games. He's thrown almost 2,000 yards, 14 touchdowns to one interception, 106 pass rating. He can play in the playoffs. I trust Josh Allen. You can have any of those other guys I need. The one through four, give me those guys. Give me Josh Allen in the playoffs. I have him at number four. Well, who is three? Give me Patrick Mahomes. Wow, how's Patrick Mahomes not two? Who is two? Well, guess what? Patrick Mahomes has been great in the playoffs. He's eight and three. He's won a Super Bowl. I'm not going to go through all his, you know, playoff number by playoff number because, again, he's played in 11 playoff games. But like I said, he's won a Super Bowl. He's played good. Uh, however, that Super Bowl was one of his worst playoff games. Two interceptions was not good in that game at all. Uh, they were lucky to win that game. To me, Damian Williams should have won Super Bowl MVP, but running back because he was a catalyst. And then another big playoff moment was another Super Bowl against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. That was one of his worst games. A 52 passer rating uh, through two interceptions. Uh, completion percentage of 53 was not good. And then the loss last year in against the Kansas City, or my bad, against the Cincinnati Bengals in the wild in the championship game. He had a QBR of 12 in the second half. It was one of the biggest collapses I've ever seen in a game in my life. Uh, that was bad. So he's had some great playoff moments, some great games uh, against the likes of the Titans and Deshaun Watson and Josh Allen as well, especially last year. He matched Josh Allen in spectacular in 11 playoff games. He's thrown for over 3,000 career yards, 28 touchdowns, 7 interceptions. So it's been great. However, there's a lot of key things on that resume that hurt me. Uh, both Super Bowls, even though he won one, they were unimpressive. And then, uh, as well, uh, that AFC Championship game last year, uh, kind of that stinging loss there. So then, who's number two? Well, it's Joe Cool. It is Joe Burrow. He is one I trust in the playoffs. I do. I think he... Had a great run last year, his first postseason appearance, and he was 3-1 and one last year. Uh, and he got better to me each game. Uh, first against the Raiders, he was really good, calm, collected two touchdowns, a pass rating of 110. Then he plays a little better team in Tennessee. He gets sacked seven times. He still finds a way to win, even though he didn't throw a touchdown pass. He never put his team in a position to lose. Then against the Chiefs. He outplayed Patrick Mahomes in that win right there. So he started off his career 3-0. and And then, if you remember, he lost the Super Bowl. But it's not like he lost in the Super Bowl because that was his second best game of the playoffs. Uh, he had a pass rating of 100, a completion percentage 
of 67. So he was fantastic in that game. Uh, to me, he's shown he can win playoff games before. If you date back to college, he's the only one of those quarterbacks I named outside of Jalen Hurts who has playoff experience, who won a national championship as the starting quarterback. So I got to give it to Joe Burrow. He owns these sort of moments. But who's number one? Well, it's the GOAT himself, 35-12. and 12. Is this a year we're expecting from Tom Brady? No, it's not. He's not been good. But does he know what it takes come playoff time more than anyone else? Yes, he does. He's done it better than anyone. He's won seven Super Bowls. Like I said, he's 35-12 and 12 in the playoffs. That's brilliant. Playing in 47 career playoff games, a winning percentage of... 75% in those games is great. Uh, again, throwing for 13,000 yards in his playoff career, uh, 86 touchdowns, it's just brilliant. Uh, again, the seven Super Bowls, like the 10, 11 championship games, I mean, Tom Brady is the GOAT. If When it comes playoff time, the preparation, he knows what it takes. He's one I trust more than anyone else. So those are my rankings. That's my list of most trustworthy playoff quarterbacks. Kirk Cousins, Dak Prescott, Ryan Tannehill, Jalen Hurts, Lamar Jackson. Then we ramp it up a bit. Josh Allen, Patrick Bones, Joe Burrow, and the guy by himself, Tom Brady. Now let's move on to the Suns. Suns get a new owner. Yesterday, congratulations to them. Robert Sarver is no longer there. Uh, I talked about this before the year started, that the Suns kind of have this dark cloud hanging on them uh, over their franchise. Now it's gone. Now Robert Sarver is in. The new guy is in. Matt Eastia is here. Uh, mortgage lender bought the team $4 billion, crazy amount. But now they get the new owner. And I think it's great for the Phoenix Suns. I think it's great for a number of reasons. I think with the allegations surrounding Sarver, you know, Kevin Durant wanting to go there, but I think with all the things, again, surrounding him, he didn't want to make any moves to the team or sign any crazy contract. So he kind of stood pat there at the beginning. And now with this owner, I think he wants to see a return on his investment. I think he's going to sign out contracts. I can see a trade. And to me, the crazy thing is now, this new owner coincides with Monty Williams and DeAndre Aiden really getting into it uh, yesterday. I still don't think they're over what happened against the Dallas Mavericks. I still think there's bad blood there. Now with an owner, do they pursue any trades? Uh, I don't know if Kevin Durant is still on the table just because how well he's played with Brooklyn uh, and just this team now with Kyrie Irving, Ben Simmons slowly fitting in and out there. Now we're in a fourth spot, again, playing really well. But is there any other pieces that they can try to get? Do they try to call Washington, try to get a Bradley Beal to pair with Devin Booker? Uh, do they call Portland and say, hey, uh, any chance Dame can come over? Do they try to make any deal at the trade deadline that they were unwilling to make? You know, do another free agents now that there's kind of a different vibe around the team? I think it's great for the Suns. I think it prolongs their window that I thought was closed going into the season. I thought they had a two-year run. It's over now. 
Now with the new owner, can he open the door back up for a year or two or maybe even more? I don't know. I'd like to see what he does, especially uh, in the next month or so now that you can trade certain players you sign and that the trade deadline's in a few months. So want to see what happens with him. Then another piece of big news, Carlos Correa went to the Mets. Now to me, this was you know as shocking as ever. Because I thought, I didn't think he did sign, or I should say, agree to terms to a deal with the San Francisco Giants. Now I've got to be careful uh, with what I say, because now when you say, oh, he signed, it's, you know, signed as official. Now until he's actually signed and debuted in a jersey, now we've got to say, agree to terms. So he agreed to terms on a contract with uh, the uh, San Francisco Giants. However, it goes through a, you know, physical, and there's other things. So it's not officially signed yet, you know, it's agreed to terms that everyone thinks so. So yesterday, pending a physical, they postponed the introductory press conference, which I saw. I thought that was a little interesting. So then you wake up this morning and say, Carlos Correa, New York Met. So something happened within that physical. We don't know. They kind of, I think, nerved the San Francisco Giants. And the Mets just took an opportunity. Steve Cohen called uh, Scott Boris, the agent there for Carlos Correa, and worked out a deal. They got the deal done for Carlos Correa, and I think that's a great move. And I thought, well, don't they have Francisco Lindor? We just signed him to a 10-year, $340 million contract last year. That's what Carlos Correa is. Well... They said, hey, we'll give you that contract right there uh, that the Giants were going to give you. They'll play third base, so the fit is there. And I think it's a great fit, personally, adding the defense and that he can hit. To me, that was the biggest thing, biggest weakness in this team. They re-signed a lot of players. Uh, they also, you know, people that left, they found good comps for them. So I think this is great. And the Mets payroll is insane. It's estimated to be around $384 million. The luxury tax payments alone will exceed $111 million. So their total payroll will be $495 million. The next max payroll is $350 million. So that's just insane. Mets are spending an insane amount of cash right now. Uh, the other teams just aren't signing. And to me, these are like the Yankees back in the day who used to just try to sign uh, everybody they want to try to win a championship. Steve Cohen, owner of a team, is not afraid to write out checks to pay luxury taxes like some other deals. And if you got the money, why not? I mean, this Mets team is going to be fun to watch. Justin Verlander is excited to be a Mets. Uh, the Mets are really going all in, and again, I think there is a good two-year window period since the uh, Max Scherzer deal was three years last year. JV, two years this year, they have a window to win the championship. They got great players. They got a lot of players signed now. Uh, to me, the missing piece, I know it's crazy, Shohei Otani. Now, he'll be a free agent next year if he doesn't sign a contract. With the Angels, and I think if he becomes a free agent, he will be a Met. I really do think that 
teams are going to go after trading him because they know that if he gets the free agency, Steve Cohen will stop at nothing to try to get Shohei Otani, which would be, you know, some people call the Carlos Correa the cherry on top. Well, that's a whipped cream. Shohei Otani will be the cherry on top uh, if they were to get him next year. We'll see. Mets spending money. Great. Aaron Judge named captain for the New York Yankees. I mean, to me, baseball is shaping up to be more exciting this year, and it's great that teams like the Padres are also in on it. Uh, Cubs are trying to get people back. So I think baseball is in for a really, really great year. And that, last but not least, it is college football early signing day. So that means a lot of recruits can, you know, already sign. Quarterback like Arch Manning officially signed with Texan, uh, Texas. Michigan, I just want to say, has been great. They have the number one uh, transfer portal uh, ranking, and they got a great wide receiver today, which I did not expect them to get, not one but I had on my radar. Uh, and to me, it just is a testament to Jim Harbaugh and the Michigan Wolverines when you look at players in the NFL, what do you see? You see a lot of Michigan Wolverines. They nick them, nickname themselves Pass Rush U. And it makes sense because Aiden Hutchinson has been great. Quiddy Pay has been really good. Uh, who got injured? Rashawn Gary has also been really good. You've had Josh Uche as well. Just been a really sound player for the Patriots. So they're producing great talent. Of course, you have Tom Brady is a Michigan man as well. So especially to me defensively, Michigan is where it's at if they can really start developing offense. But they've great uh, Ohio State. We see Chris Olave, Garrett Wilson. Justin Fields is the first good quarterback we've seen out of Ohio State. Uh, you know, Dwayne Haskins. Uh, well, uh, the Barrett guy, JT Barrett. None of those guys were, you know, Cardinal Jones, none of them were really good uh, in the NFL, uh, whereas Justin Fields has been great. Alabama, of course, but Devontae Smith, Jalen Hurts, uh, you know, Jerry Judy, all those guys from Alabama have been great. Uh, Oklahoma produces talent. Georgia has started, but they're more development players in the NFL, not hit the ground running. But Michigan is a team, to me, those are the top five schools where, you know, if you have a Decision on signing day, well, to me, it's a testament to good programs, like I said, the Michigan, Alabama, who churn out NFL talent and they see them doing well at the NFL level. Uh, that, to me, is a big impact on signing day. Recruiting is, you know, not just, you know, the pitch for, you know, the programs and the facilities that you have at your school. It's, you know, the end goal is the NFL and Michigan to me, does as great a job as anybody uh, developing talent that can do well in the NFL. And it doesn't all have to be five stars. They develop three, four stars into five-star type players that get drafted at a high level and produce them in the NFL. So college signing day, I'm following it. I'm watching it. Want Michigan to move up in the rankings, which I think, believe they have. Uh, but we'll see when the dust settles what Deion Sanders, who Deion Sanders gets in Colorado, as well, see what other top recruits come down the board. But it's fun. That's fun watching. Again, more bowl games on today. Tomorrow, I'll be talking about Trevor Lawrence, Zach Wilson, 
two quarterbacks linked because of Trevor Lawrence going number one. Zach Wilson going number two to the Jets. Talk about that more tomorrow. Until then, I hope you all have a great day. Bye, everybody.